Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Couldn't help, as my brother Phil was speaking, of the 10th verse of Ephesians 2. In connection with what we were looking at this morning, and with what we'll consider again this afternoon, and with what we have just heard, we are, we are. God's masterpiece. And we have been created anew in Christ Jesus. And as one translation puts it, so that we can do the good things that we were originally created to do. We do have an amazing God. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12. Picking up with where we left off this morning, connection with my life from today and then as long as God allows me here. Verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 10, Wherefore, let him that thinks he stands take heed, be very careful, lest he fall. Look at chapter 15 of the same book. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 And verse 32. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, those were two-legged beasts, I think, what advantageth me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Be not deceived, don't be fooled. Evil communications corrupt good manners, bad company corrupts good character. Wake up, awake to righteousness and sin not. The Old Testament, book of Exodus, please, in chapter 32. Exodus 32. You know that while Moses was on the mount and while Joshua was waiting for him, Aaron down at the foot of the mountain with the people, the golden golden calf was made and they were worshiping that calf. Moses comes down and he says in verse number 26, and you can almost hear the fury in his words, Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. Now one final reading in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11. Hebrews in chapter 11. Verse 24, Hebrews eleven twenty four. by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming, counting the cost, the reproach of Christ, greater riches 
than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured. Here's how. As seeing him who is invisible. That is all we'll read together. Now, just by way, very briefly, of a review, when we were looking this morning at the truth that every single one of us as human beings, first of all, and then those that have been saved by God's grace, we are of in, uh, invaluable value to the Lord. We have no idea the amount that God has invested in us. We can't measure that. So you are this valuable person to God. Now God wants you to understand what you can be for Him. He wants you to live. He wants me to live for Him. But we need to, we need to use our heads. We need to actually think about it. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, I'm saved and, you know, when, when it all ends up, however, wherever it ends up, I'm going to be in heaven. That's great. But God didn't save us just for that. God saved us for much, much higher purpose than that. We are, we are God's, we're vessels, we're instruments that have been designed to be put into the hand of the one who can use those instruments. We are instruments of righteousness. We're tools, literally tools in the hand of the one who's able to use us. He makes the tool, he bends it, he twists it, he cuts it, he turns it to accomplish his purpose. Using me. Using you. If you let him. And if you want to fight him, uh, it's not a pretty sight. It's not a pretty picture. Because he will ultimately have the upper hand. So we have considered facing the facts. We have looked at being firm, just resting firm on what I actually believe, resting on the foundation. I want this afternoon to consider three more things. And they are, first of all, very obviously from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, this. Fearing a fall. Fearing a fall. And then I want you to consider fellowshipping with faithful friends. It does matter who you spend time with. It does matter who you spend time with. And make sure that you fellowship with faithful friends. And then last of all, the idea of looking at the future and and forging it. Building the future. Your future and the future of a potential family or the family that you've already been given. And forging the future of God's assemblies. Don't... Maybe it's just me, but you know, when we think of of an assembly, okay, it's, it's... it's the assembly. It's, it's over there. No, the assembly isn't over there. The assembly is you. you. You are God's assembly. You see, there isn't an assembly without people. There isn't an assembly without, without you. As a, as a uh, committed Christian, someone who seeks to, be, to bring honor and glory to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the future, yes, it's all in God's hands, but the future does depend on you. And on me. So, so what are we going to do about that? 
And we'll look at just a couple of things in connection with that truth. Now, I'm not going to spend too much time on any one of them, maybe the, the middle one uh, most of all, and uh, the idea of friendship and really of separation. A number of years ago, um, I live in Indiana, Pennsylvania, and spent much of the time there um, fellowshipping with the Christians in that assembly in that town. We had uh, a servant of the Lord, I'll leave him unnamed, uh, known to likely most that are here, but he had a week of ministry. And somewhere I have notes about that week, and I, I don't really remember what he spoke on. But I do remember, like it was yesterday, what he said when he closed. He said, I want you to pray for me. He said, I'm not asking you to pray that God will give me great success in preaching the gospel. He said, I'm not asking you that God will give me exquisite help in ministering to the saints. He said, I am asking you to pray that God will preserve me from a fall. I about fell off my chair. He was an older man then. I never expected to hear that from him. But he said it humbly, and he said it absolutely sincerely. And there's incredible pain and cost that comes when someone falls. Do you fear that for yourself? You see the word in connection with a lot of things these days, the word extreme, extreme sports, extreme whatever. They attach it to everything. I guess it sells whatever it's supposed to sell. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen some of the things that these, sorry, wackos do, but when you look at it, you say, like, do you have a brain between your ears? Actually, one time there was a, a young man or a couple of them that were um, interviewed, and, and, and they said, like, don't you understand that you can die real easy doing what you're doing? And Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then why do you do it? We understand the danger, but the thrill is so great that we'll do it anyway. The thrill. But, you know, the next time they do it, what they did last time, okay, we got to notch it up here. we got to just go a little bit more dangerous. we got to, we got to push the envelope a little bit more. And nothing is ever just enough, and so it gets more and more extreme until, sad to say, oftentimes... Um, yeah, they do lose their life. And it's all over. Remember, I'm driving down the highway, 60 miles an hour, and, and all of a sudden, the guy coming towards me at 60 miles an hour pops a wheelie on his motorcycle, and he goes, the guy is nuts. He probably is. At least it would help anyway. But what about my spiritual life? And yours. Are, are we trying to walk as close to the edge as we know how to walk without falling? Without causing a difficulty that seems to be irreparable? 
Sometimes the, the, the statement is made, well, you know, that, that group of people, they just seem to think they're invincible. What did we read? Let him, let her that thinks they stand be very careful lest they fall. I have prayed just in my own private prayer. I don't know that I've ever said this publicly. But I have prayed that God would take me out before he would ever let me do that. That I wouldn't bring that spot on a testimony, on a family. May God preserve us. May God preserve you and I from a fall. But I want you just to think of one other thing before I pass on, and that is this. I can't help but read in Galatians chapter 6, if a person is overtaken, this isn't necessarily, um, you know, a, a sin of, of the degree of 1 Corinthians 15, perhaps, or 1, or, um, 1 Corinthians 5. But if a brother is overtaken in a fault, in a sin, you that are spiritual. What, what Paul is saying is, I want you that are spiritual, first of all, to consider yourselves, and then go to that person in gentleness and in meekness, considering yourselves, realizing, I'm no different than him. I am no different than her. And sometimes we walk around with our noses in the air, thinking we are better, that we are different. We're not. And it seems that the strongest, those who are, um, well, I'll leave it at that. Those are the strongest. They think that they can dabble closest to that kind of a thing without risk, without danger. And it's to those, I believe, that Paul is writing. You, you think you're secure. None of us are. We're, we're all targets. And those, those who are that kind of people may be even more special targets. Speaking to a, Oh, this goes back a number of years. A, a sister who I'd gotten to know, she and her husband and family. And, and uh, after I got to know them, she was telling a little bit about the history and her family and in the assembly. And uh, she had a brother, a natural brother, who um, don't know what happened, never asked, don't care. But um, he had left the assembly, been put away from the assembly. And she looked at me smug. And she says, and you know what? I haven't talked to my brother in 16 years. Shame on you. Shame on you. Restore such and one, lest they just shrivel up and die from overmuch sorrow. May God have mercy on us and those that are away, that God in his grace and tenderness and kindness, of which he is full, will bring them back. Fearing a fall, every single one of us, that possibility exists. But I want you to think about fellowshipping with faithful friends. It's the person who is maybe, and these, these first two points, they go together somewhat, but it's the person who is sort of out there on the edge, who oftentimes becomes, for lack of a better word, a target 
for someone who actually cares about them to come alongside and say something. And if, if I am or if you are that person who's sort of just, you know, trying to, to, to lean away, pu- push away from things and uh, f- f- sort of uh, feel out what's going on out there and with, 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 with what they're doing and, and maybe I can enjoy a little bit. And then someone comes along to us, our, we, we bristle. We resist that. Isn't that one of the reasons why we read in the Proverbs... Faithful are the wounds of a friend. A real friend. I want to ask you a question, and that is this. Who are your best friends? You say, well, I'm not sure. Well, who do you want to spend your time with? Who who do you spend your time with? And when you're with that person, what do you do and where do you go? I'm not saying we can't enjoy God's amazing world. One of the things, I'm not very smart, and it's taken me a lot of years to figure some things out, but it's just been in the last couple of years, I believe with all my heart that God made this world for us to enjoy and to appreciate. And, and I just started doing that. Just to look up into God's marvelous heaven, or to look into a flower that's so intricate and beautiful and, and the fragrance is there and just, you can't help but just raise your heart and your voice and say, God is awesome. And He's my Father. That's the relationship into which we have come. And so, here comes this, this friend and, and they want to preserve us from doing something that is going to wreck or possibly wreck our testimony. Gentleman had a canary. Maybe some have heard this little illustration before, but had a canary and the bird just sang beautifully. And he had a friend who didn't have a canary, but rather had sparrows. And so the friend said, could I borrow your canary so I could, you know, he could teach my, my sparrows to sing. And so, okay, sure. So away goes with the canary and uh, sticks it in the cage and, um, Pretty soon, all that canary did was chirp. None of the sparrows ever sang a song. So the man came and got his canary back, and he took it back home, and all that ever did was chirp. And then it dawned on him. He said, you know, the only way that I can get my little canary who had such a beautiful song to sing again is to put him with other canaries who sing. And that's what he did. We become like those with whom we keep company. That's the principle. And and this is what Paul is saying to the Corinthian believers. Don't be fooled. Don't be deceived. Don't think that for you it's going to be different than it's been down through the centuries of time. You will become like those with whom you keep company. Well, you know, if I I go where they go and uh, I do what they do, then maybe I can present the gospel to them. That's not what you're supposed to do. That's not what the Lord Jesus did. Were there wicked sinners that were right alongside him and literally touched him? Absolutely, we know there were. This man receives sinners and even eats with them. And and the Pharisees and the publicans of that day, they literally used the word scum. He eats with the scum of the earth. Yeah, he did. And, And what am I? What are any of us? 
But for you and I to somehow or another think that we can go do what they do. We can go out into the world and do what the world does and not have it affect us. We're only fooling ourselves. Fellowshipping with faithful friends. I had a man during my younger days and he would come up to me and I almost got to the point where I said, Oh no, he's coming, he's coming. He'd say, "Um, so how's your soul? Or he'd say, "Um, so where are you reading? I had to have an answer, so I made sure I read. Because I didn't know if he was going to come visit me or talk to me or not. Uh, That's not real deep reading, I know, but, uh, you know, I I, I could give him a truthful answer. I actually did read. But, you know, what was the desire of that person? That person was trying to encourage me into things that were godly, that were profitable, that were helpful. Fellowshipping with faithful friends. It's wonderful to see the young people that are here today. Thank God and thank you for being here. And we're so glad that you're here under the sound of the Word of God. And as we've been reminded during this conference from the beginning, it might be that God is speaking to someone. He's speaking to your heart today. Speaking to that that, that longing and that, that pull that's been in your mind for maybe weeks and months and you don't even know quite what it is. You don't really know what God is saying to you. But you're here with the people of God, fellowshipping with the people of God. What do we read in Acts chapter 2? That the Christians, what, what, they, what was it true about them? They were, they were together. Yeah, I, I know it was the transition period, but there was something very, very precious about that time because they were together. They were of one accord. They broke bread from house to house. They had their meals together. They spent time together. Let's talk about this. Malachi chapter 3. Those that feared the Lord spake often. They spake often one to another. And a book of remembrance was written. Here they were, and what were they... Luke chapter 24, the two on the road to Emmaus. What were they talking about? They were talking about what happened back there in the city. They were talking about this man Jesus and what had happened. And the, they, were, they were talking about the right things. They were talking about things that were profitable, things that would be beneficial to each other. And maybe there's someone here and you're thinking, you know, it's, uh, that's boring. I, I hope that's not what you think. A couple of uh, uh, preachers were on a train, I believe it was in Vancouver, and they were going home on a Sunday afternoon, going to uh, another assembly, and uh, they were talking about the day. They were talking about what they enjoyed that day and the, the ministry and, the, and the, the breaking of bread, and behind them there were two ladies sitting, and uh, one of them made sure that she spoke up long enough to say, uh, you would think that an hour on Sunday morning was enough for people to talk about this religion stuff. So one of the men very graciously got up and he turned and he said, Ma'am, he said, uh, are you a Christian? She said, yes, of course I'm a Christian. He said, I find it puzzling that um, it bothers you if there's any more than an hour in a week dedicated to speaking about the Lord Jesus when I'm going to spend all eternity with him. Does, is, is there something, is there a chord in your heart that that rings when you hear of the Lord. That, you know, you're, you're in, an, in a restaurant and someone over there, they bow their heads and you can hear them thank God for the food and thank God for His Son. It's like, wow, yeah, there's, there's this bond that's there. We're, we're, we're together. We're, we're Christians. 
Evil communications, bad company, corrupts good behavior. And don't blame it on that person. If you choose, or I choose, to keep company with those that do not have a mind and a desire for the things of God, and bad results occur, then it's no one's fault but our own. The friendship that will be profitable and will be helpful to us. I want you to consider the fact that when it comes to fellowship, that um, there were those that were sought out. And there were those that were commended for what they did in that, in that way. You remember that Paul writing about Timothy in Philippians chapter 2, he says, there's no man that's like-minded. There's no one that has the same mind that I have. And that was one of the reasons why he, he loved that young man so much. I mean, he was his son in the faith, yes, but uh, he, he loved that young man. And, and he said his mind, we, we think exactly the same way. And I'm sure that they spent long hours together speaking about the truth of the Scriptures and the doctrine that the, the, the apostle had been given and that he was passing on to Timothy, this body of doctrine that he wanted Timothy to guard and then pass on to others. But here's a like-minded man, and he wanted to encourage that in his young brother. Now, we read in Exodus chapter 32 some very strong words. Moses has come down from the mount. The very first commandment on the tablet that Moses is holding in his hands is already broken. Thou shalt have no other god. So he comes down, he breaks the stone, you know that, uh, you, you know the story, you've seen, you've, you've read that yourself. And, and then he goes and he stands in the gate and he said, who, who is on the Lord's side? Let him stand with me. Now, now there's, there's tens of thousands of people that are standing there. I don't know who all was involved with what was going on down by the water with that golden calf. I, I don't know what was happening there. I don't know whether the tribe of Levi had been involved. I, if someone can instruct me more perfectly, that's fine. I, I haven't been able to find that. But this is what I do know, that when, when the call came forward, when the choice was given to that huge audience of people, who's on the Lord's side, it says, all the Levites, the whole tribe of Levi, they came, they stood beside Moses, and then Moses said, draw your swords. Wait a second, Moses. What, what do you mean? Draw your swords. I mean, we're not fighting Canaanites here. We're, we're not fighting the uh, denizens of the desert. These are, these are our brethren. Yeah, draw your swords. Now, having what I just said about being gentle and meek, um, let, let me just draw this from it. Sometimes the persons we have to break fellowship with are God's people. Not because we're better than they are, but because if we stay with them, they'll drag us down too. We need to be ever so careful of who we keep company with. And now, just as I close, the truth of forging the future. The Lord is coming, brethren, and I, um, 
I'm really glad. I can't help but think of what John the Apostle writes in the very last book of the Revelation. He says this, Even so, come, Lord Jesus. And it's as though he was saying this. He was saying, yes, yes, the Lord is coming. And I can't wait till he's coming. That dear man had suffered a great deal. And then he had been given this tremendous revelation of the risen Christ, the man that he had sat beside, the man that he ate with, the man upon whose breast he had leaned, the one who was closest to him in in a physical sense upon this earth. And then he gets to see him exalted and glorified. No wonder he falls at his feet as one dead. He says, I can't wait to see him. Even so come, Lord Jesus. And he might come today, but he might not. So my question as I close is, um, what about the future? Have you sat down, and whether it's on your iPad, or your iTouch, or whatever it is that you write on, even a piece of paper, have you ever actually sat down and written out goals for yourself as a Christian? Write out a goal. By this time next week, I want to have... This is the kind of person I want to be and put it in paper. Could I say to my brethren in the assemblies that you represent, does, do you have a goal for the assembly? You know, sometimes people say, I never thought of it. I, I never actually thought about that. I mean, we just carry on. We just, you carry on, you get carried out. That's pretty much the way it's going to go. The, 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 the saying in business is, uh, no one plans to fail. But the ones that fail are the, those that fail to plan. Do we need goals? You say, isn't that, uh, you know, sort of too secular kind of thing? No, it's not. Do, do we have a goal? I mean, well, what are the plans? What do you have in mind for that, that little flock for which you are at least in part responsible well, what's your plans for them? What do you want to give to them? What do you want to feed them? What activities do you want to get to them? You say, all oh, my young people, all the young people are just wandering away. Well, what have you given them to do? What are you, what are you providing for? What are you looking at down the, the corridor of time until the Lord comes, whenever that is? It doesn't matter when it is. The man, as he left his servants, he says, occupy till I come. No, I'm not going to tell you when it is. Just just do that. Be occupied until I come. So what, what is the goal that you have for yourself? It's wonderful when you see a group of Christians and they're ambitious and they're happy and they're uh, busy and... You say, are there groups that are, yeah, there are groups that are like that. There are those that, that really enjoy God and what he can do. And, and, and they're the great big assemblies, right? No, 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 not necessarily. There are little companies of God's people, and they're just they're hanging in there, where they're plugging away. They're doing what, they're, what they can. I'm thinking of an assembly just now, and I think the youngest person there is 65. And I think that two hands is too many to count all those that are in the assembly. And they keep busy. 
And they keep working. And they keep smiling. And they try to, try to do what they can. And the community around them is just literally falling to shambles. But they, they, they do what they can as long as they can. God wants us to keep busy for Him. He'll direct. He'll open. He'll do all of those things. But if we don't have a plan, if we don't have any kind of a goal, if there's nothing in my mind and in my heart for God, for this assembly, and for my life, then I will get exactly what I've planned for. And that is nothing. May God help us. 2012 is almost over, really. It's amazing. We might have the rest of this year. We might have another year or two or ten. or two. I, I don't know. But my life and yours, might it count for God? Might I fear a fall? Might I make sure that I keep faithful friends, faithful to God, faithful to God's word? And might God help me to think about the future and do for my brothers and sisters and for myself, before God and before his word, that which will bring him the honor and the glory his name is due.